0: in that. I want you to take your Bibles this morning, I'm going to talk quick if you all will listen quick. Can you do that? All right, Nehemiah chapter 2, Nehemiah chapter 2. Often in the Christian life, we, and in in church in general, we say what you should do, but we don't always tell you how to do it. We don't always tell what that looks like. Um, We we, we tell people, well, you need to, um, you need to seek God's will. Well, what exactly does that look like? How do, we, how do we do that? We tell people, you need to be filled with the Spirit. Well, I went a long time in church of hearing the, the verse preached, be filled with the Spirit, and I didn't hear people a lot of times explaining, well, what does that look like? You hear people talk about a vision. What is a vision? What is our vision? And you should have a vision. Let me tell you that you should have, I believe every Christian should have a vision of what God has for them and wants them to be. I believe every Christian home should have a vision for this is what God wants us to be and this is what it looks like. But what, what does that, where does that come from? We understand that as a church, as individual believers, that our vision and our purpose and our mission all comes from the Scriptures. Uh, whether it's in the church, whether it's our family, our mission will shape our vision. I don't know if we, have the, if we can have the screen up there, and it would help if I can see it back here also, guys. If not, y'all can just look over my shoulder, and you'll see a little bit of a, a diagram of this is what our, um, this is where our vision and our mission, or I may just have to describe it to you. Can y'all just, just imagine? There's, there's the first part. Okay. There, ah, excellent. There we go. Our mission is shaped by our purpose, but our vision comes from our mission. Whatever our vision is to be, what does this look like, needs to flow from the mission that God has given to the church. Then from the vision, we set our goals, we plan our strategy, we make our plans, and then ultimately even the smallest decisions we make flow from this is the vision that God has given. That vision, of course, is based ultimately on what does the Scriptures say? What does the Scriptures say that I am to be as an individual believer? What does the Scripture say that my home is to be? What does the Scripture say the, pap, the purpose and the mission of the church is? So as we think about that this morning, what is, our, uh, what is our purpose and our mission? The vision, the goals, the strategy, the plans, the decisions, all of that is to be bathed in prayer and seeking to follow the Spirit of God. We don't just say, hey, this is what we want to do. We seek to follow the guidance and the direction of the Holy Spirit through prayer and through seeking God's will for our individual lives, for our family lives, and for our church. What does the Scripture say about this? What does the Scripture speak to about this? Well, there's several Scriptures that tell us what, the purpose, um, what the, the purpose and mission of the church is to be. The first is the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, go you therefore into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. That's the work that Brother Kevin's doing in Haiti, our other missionaries are doing around the world, and we are to do here. The, The purpose and mission of the church is the same everywhere you go, every church, every place around the world. The great commandment is also a part of what the church is to be, that you love love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. From this flows the second commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But this is a, a part of the purpose and mission of the church, that we are to love God. When we worship God, that is an expression of our love for Him. And then a third that I'll the great centrality or the, the great, the thing that is the center to all of this is that we are to bring glory to God. The purpose of the church is to bring glory to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do, let me try this again, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all, Let's, uh, y'all can do that a little bit louder, do all to the glory of God. That's our, that is our purpose. That is our individual purpose. Let me tell you that you are, on this, you are on this planet to bring glory to God. That's your purpose. If you're looking for purpose in life, you're here to bring glory to God. Now, how, how does that happen? Well, that happens with for the church with the great commission and loving God and following the great commandment. But the Great centrality is 1 Corinthians 10.31. If we can back up again, I need to see that next reference. Thank you. Ephesians 3.21 says, unto him be glory in the church. Glory to God in the church. The church exists for the glory of God. So how how does that happen? What is our purpose that flows from this? This is what the Scripture speaks. Our purpose then is to glorify God. And that is what we seek to do. Now, that's, that's a very simple thing. Okay, great. We're here to glorify God. But what does that look like? What does it look like in our church? What does it look like in your home? What does it look like in your individual life for you to glorify God? Is it just raising your hands occasionally as the song is being sung? I'm going to glorify God. Well, that might be a part of it. But glorifying God is going to look different in each person's life. It's going to look different in each home. It's going to look different in each church, but the purpose remains the same. From the purpose, therefore, then our mission flows, that our mission as a church is obedience to the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. We glorify God by obeying these two things. That's our mission, and that is unchanging. That is unchanging for every church everywhere. This is our task. This is our mission. So now from this purpose and from this mission, then what does that look like? That's vision. That is when God gives us the ability to, by faith, see what obedience to that mission in a God-glorifying way, what does that look like? What does that look like for us? That changes from church to church. God's vision for what God is doing in other countries, in Haiti and the Dominican Republic and in the Philippines and in Africa and in Asia, that's going to look different. And it will look different for us from year to year. What God has for us specifically in this time, in this moment, what does God want us to do that will be our obedience to that purpose and that mission? And then from that, we then set our goals. This is what we hope to accomplish. This is the things that we plan to try to do. Praying through all of this. We don't just set goals that we think will accomplish this purpose. We want to, look, if it's going to glorify God, the goal has to come from Him. If we want to glorify God, the strategy and the plans have to be in a way that glorify God. And then the decisions that we make. So all of that flows from our mission and our purpose. So, our ongoing vision, the way that we've expressed it, is this, local hands, global fingerprints. In other words, what we do here touches there. Our work, our faithful faithful service to God, in obedience to our mission, in obedience to our purpose, our faithful service where God has called us Has eternal impact around the world. That means when you're on your job this week and you're working, your work and your life can have eternal significance. Number one, you never know when the people that you're impacting and touching, how God is going to use them to carry the gospel. We never know. Sunday school teachers, children's workers, when you're working with children, you never know how that child is going to grow up and one day share the gospel around the world. So, what we're doing here has eternal and global significance. I'm glad that my work for God and my work and my life in general is not limited to one place and one time and one lifetime. But God supernaturally takes what we do in our local hands and the work that we do and he uses it for eternal and global and lasting and gospel significance. And there are people who will hear the gospel because of Christians who faithfully gave, whether it's in Haiti or whether it's in Africa or whether it's in the church that we had a part in in the Philippines and other things that we've done around this world. God's work done here matters in other places. Now that doesn't mean that God may not call some of us to go to other places but it means that that's, that's our vision. We want to what we do here to matter for eternity and around the world. So let's take a moment. I, I want to just celebrate a little bit of what God has done through our church this year. We're not going to dwell. You don't you don't, you don't heart dwell on the past, you visit the past, but you don't dwell on the past. You look to the future and you think about it, but you don't live in the future either. You live in the present. You've got you to do now, but it is good occasionally to look and see this is what God has done. Last year, we presented the idea of investing eternally, that we wanted to invest locally and invest nationally and invest globally, and we listed off some of the things, and by God's grace, as I looked over this list, we've been able to do every single one of these things. And God gets the glory for that, amen? God gets the glory for that. Okay, please don't make me beg for Amen. it's really humiliating, it's just really, but I'm not above doing it, I will ask. Those, that's, that's what God has done, and much more, beyond what we could have imagined, and we give him the glory. That's our desire to fulfill our mission and our purpose. With God, what God has done, let me just mention a few things that God has done. Let's start locally. Um, we were able this year to finish our prayer trail, and many of you have used that, and we've been able to have some of our prayer service out there just recently. And God is using this in the life of our in the life of our church to strengthen us spiritually. We were able to uh, renovate the the old barn that was over behind the house and turn it into a, an event shelter, an activity shelter that will be used for a number of opportunities and other repairs and things that have done here on our property. Let me just say that what we do in using what, what God gives through you and through our Chest of Joash offering, our 1st of December offering, when God uses that, it is always for the purpose of those two things, our purpose of glorifying God and our purpose, our mission of carrying the gospel, discipling and equipping God's people, discipling disciple makers. That's our task. We've also been able to do the, on, the ongoing renovations in our chapel. Uh, if you were in the 8 o'clock service this morning, um, you've, you've seen some of the renovations that are taking place and continuing over the next couple of weeks. Uh, that is one of the most used parts of our facility of our, of our um, plant here that is used in a number of ways and so to be able to renovate that our transportation needs and let me just say we don't just have transportation so that we can drive all over the place those those vans that we have been able to purchase and continue to try to expand to meet our needs they're pulling out in the morning at about three o'clock pastor jeremy i don't know what time not not that early. i just freaked out your whole team Heading to New York City, to Brooklyn, New York, to be able to share the gospel um, with the with working alongside a church there, be praying for that team that's going. But part they're able to go. We have the transportation for them to get there. So that's a part of what we're investing in. It's not just in having a van; it's in being able to carry the gospel. Let me tell you that if there's any place in this world, and I don't, I don't hope I don't offend anybody that's from New York City, if there's anywhere that needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's New York City. Can I hear an amen on that? We've been able to do also various updates to our foyer and the service uh, stations at the back, our sound room, all the, our sound booth, not, not a room, but the booth, and been able to do these things um, to, to be able to more effectively um, share and engage people in service and, in, and information of the things that they do. Here's something I'm pretty excited about sharing. Um, this year, our choir, has been able to record another recording. We're excited about this, not just so we can say, oh, we did another recording, but for the songs of our church and the message of our church and the the work of our church to be shared and be a blessing to others. I've got a special treat for you this morning. I don't know that anybody maybe have heard this, except the eight o'clock service. So ignore that the eight o'clock service, you're the first ones to get to hear this. Um, We're going to play just a clip about a 30. You'll get to enjoy about a 30-second clip this morning from our choir recording. So, guys, if y'all will play that for us. Doesn't that sound good? I like that little curve on, explain, that little, that's nice, I like that. That's going to be a blessing. So we're able to do, to, to carry the gospel in that way. And I know that there are many people, um, not just here, that get to hear and enjoy the music of the choir. Let me tell you, choir members, you're getting to, you're getting to be a part of not just what takes place in our services, but other places as well partnership this year with various other church planners and organizations and ministries and sister churches in our state around our church we've been able to be a partner with these financially and in ministry and encourage others and do a great work because of what what God has done um, our church not only that um, brother Kevin mentioned it showed the pictures in the Dominican Republic that we were able to be a part of and um, be praying pastor Chuck will go down and and preach the dedication of that in a few weeks and I'm not sure the Dominican Republic can handle a Michigandian um, is that the right term? I don't know. But, that's the, um, but he's going to go and, and preach and be a part of that dedication service and represent us in that. And we're able to, uh, the, the chapel in, in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and the Montana uh, churches with Michael Johnson and the other churches that we've been able to partner with. So not just global, not just locally, but around the nation. The church in the Dominican Republic, we've been able to minister through our missionaries the Inskis in the Ukraine. We've been able to support the work that they are doing in the war zone in the Ukraine, sharing the gospel, ministering to refugees, numerous other missionaries. Um, the next picture is a picture of the church in the Philippines with our missionaries, Glenn and Debbie Benfield, that we were able to be a part of, that they had a, a need. This church was, um, had, was able to get a piece of property and build this building, and they needed some financial assistance. We were able to be a part of that as well. So these are, these are some of the, the global fingerprints that we've been able to leave just this year. The mission trip, not only to New York, but then to uh, Montana. In a couple of weeks, Pastor Tom and I and a team of workers will be going out and joining together with the churches there to have revival services, to encourage the pastors, to bless them, to be a part of the gospel work in the state of Montana. So these are, um, these are all the things, these are things that God has done this year. And I think it's worthwhile for us to celebrate God fulfilling our Vision and the task for this year. So let's just, if you would, just give the Lord a, a hand clap of praise for what He has done. So we celebrate this year, but that was this year, okay? I've got a friend, and Michael always says, if what you did yesterday for God looks big, you're not doing much today. <laughs> so if what we did this year looks big, we, we want to look toward what is God, what is. How does obeying the mission and the purpose that God gives us look for this coming year? So let me just quickly walk you through just a a thumbnail sketch of some of these things. We're going to continue to invest globally. We're going to be engaging in some new and continued partnerships with, with international missions with some mission trips to be able to go and work alongside some opportunities for people. Some people say, well, you know, I I don't know how to preach, and I don't know how to teach, and I don't know how to do medical work. Look, there are a number of ways that you can serve on a mission trip to be a part of the work of the gospel, and we're gonna engage in that and find opportunities for those who are willing and able to go to serve in that way. We're gonna enhance our mission projects and increase our mission awareness. I've had the privilege just in the past few weeks to be introduced to and meet a number of wonderful missionaries Uh, more than we'll be able to support, but some that we will be able to have a part in in carrying the gospel around the world. And then some special mission projects that come up from time to time as our missionaries have particular needs that we can help and we can give to. And the the Chest of Joash offering, in addition to what takes place on our property, is a large part of being able to do this kind of work, and this is what God has for us in the year to come. We're going to continue to invest nationally around our nation with partnerships, we're going to continue our partnership with the Montana churches. We've been done this for a couple of years, and we're going to find ways that we can continue. God has opened up new, several new contacts that open up new doors of opportunity in that area and needed opportunity. Things we're excited uh, God's going to allow us to get through some doors that we maybe haven't been able to get through before. And that work will continue and expand and to see God at work in the state of Montana, and then some in-country mission trips and projects that we'll be a part of, too, at least that we know of. Uh, We're planning, Pastor Chuck's got the works on a a mission trip for our students to Washington, D.C., and if there's anywhere in our country that definitely needs to hear the gospel, it's Washington, D.C. Also, our Palooza team this year will be going to... um, to Texas, And if there's anywhere that desperately needs the gospel in our country, can I get an amen on Texas needing the gospel? I apologize to anybody from Washington, D.C., New York City, or Texas um, if, if you find that offensive, but I think some people from those areas would be the first to say they desperately need the gospel. They're going, to, they're going to be partnering out or working out from our friend Clark Bosher's church and reaching out to churches in the area and doing the Palooza um, events there and sharing of the gospel and just exciting things that are going to be taking place on a national level. And then locally, something I'm excited about is a, expanding our partnership um, with the Beacon Mission, if we can move on to that next stream. Um, the Beacon Mission, we've had, a, we've had a connection with them for years, Brother Gene Love, Brother Amos um, leading that, and we have a part of that. But they're beginning a capital campaign to pay off the mortgage on their current building so that they can use the funds that are coming in on a weekly and monthly basis to do other gospel work. And so we're, we're excited to be, already have a great connection with the Beacon And then also they have a new facility and building that they're working on, and we'll be able to take teams and have folks go and work on site. If you may not can go um, internationally on a mission trip, we certainly can send you to downtown Dunn for a mission trip. And if there's anywhere in our country (laughs) that desperately needs the gospel, it is the city of Dunn. Can I get an amen on that? That might have been the strongest amen we've had so far. Looking forward to be as partnering alongside a local ministry that has a strong connection with our church. I know you have a great heart for Beacon and Brother Amos and the leadership there. Partnership with Sister Churches around North Carolina from other mission and ministry projects. Um, continued investment in our facilities and transportation, our technology, and those kind of needs. And then investing in continuing to fulfill the Great Commission, evangelizing, sharing the gospel, discipling those that are saved, building community within the church. And equipping you for service that's that's our task and that's what we will invest in as we as we look toward our chest of joe ash offering i hope that you will be praying about what god would have you to use but here's one that i'm very excited about and that is the construction by god's grace this year on our new kids central building um looking we're gonna be already talking as a matter of fact this week having a meeting to discuss and talk about some of the things about this what that will look like we'll give you more details as we have them But I firmly believe one of the ways that God has and is and will continue to bless our church is through our investment in the gospel with our children. Someone told me one time, they said, ah, children's ministry is just glorified babysitting. I want to tell you that Central Baptist Church, our children's ministry is neither glorified nor babysitting. (laughs) It is anything but glorified babysitting. It is sharing the gospel with these children. It is teaching them the Bible, encouraging them, preparing them to serve and live for God. And I'm thankful for Pastor Jeremy and the team that work alongside him that make that possible. And one of the ways that we wanna invest in the future is investing through this new children's building that'll give them a place um, that they they can do the things they need to do that will suit the ministry of our children's ministry. And that I'm excited about that. This is a step of faith, but we are trusting God that he will provide what is needed for us to do this work and build this building. And that's going to open up a number of opportunities that we'll share with you in the future. But this is, I believe, what God has given for us. That's what it looks like for us this coming year to obey God's commission and to bring glory to God in doing it. How many of you would say amen and join me in praying that God will accomplish this this next year? Say amen, if you will. Now, we get to our text. That was just the introduction. We'll get out of here at probably about 1230, so it's okay. By that time, everybody will have left the other restaurants and you'll still be good. Nehemiah chapter 2, I want to show you two verses of Scripture, and then I want to just share a few quick thoughts, because I believe that God gives us a vision, not just for our church. God gives you a vision for your individual life. God gives you a vision for your home and for your family. How do we renew that? We're looking at God renewing us. We've talked about God renewing our hope, renewing our joy, renewing our love for him. But let's talk about a renewed vision. God drawing our focus back to what he has for us and wants us to do and empowering and enabling us to do it. If we are going to accomplish the vision that God gives us, we must have a renewed love for Him. We must engage in it with a renewed joy and a renewed hope of the possibilities of what God can do. In Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah hears the story of the condition of his city, Jerusalem, that has been supposed to be rebuilt but is still in shambles. In chapter 2, he, begins, he has begun to pray that God will open up the heart of the king. The king notices that, that, um, that Nehemiah, as the king's cupbearer, essentially a, one of his secret service agents that's part of his security, he noticed that he's not the same person that he usually is. He said, I was never sad before the king before this. And he noticed that I was sad, and he asks him why he was, he says, are you sick? He said, there's nothing else but sorrow of heart. And then I was sore afraid. He knows that the king may not appreciate um, unhappiness in his presence. Look in verse 4. Verse 3, he said, uh, then said, Then I said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulcher, lies waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? And then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request?" So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldst send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. For our homes, our vision might be to establish a God glorifying home that's truly Christ centered, that follows the word of God, that is seeking to obey the Spirit, bonded together by prayer guided by the Spirit. For an individual, my vision might be to bring glory to God by being a fully surrendered and joyfully engaged disciple of Christ. That is is what God wants me to be. That is my purpose. But what does that look like to live that out? We need to have our vision focused and sharpened and renewed. We often get distracted by the things of this world, and we need that, that intent. What does God have for me to do? What does that look like? You see, it's one thing to have a burden. Many people are burdened about their families. Many people are burdened about their life. But a burden is the beginning. A burden is feeling the heart of God. This is a desire for what God wants to be so. I want what God wants. I feel that burden. I feel that desire. But a desire and a burden is insufficient. Along with that burden, there needs to be a vision. What does that look like? What is that going to happen? What does it look like to be a follower of Christ? What does it look like to be filled with the Spirit? What does it look like to to live a godly life? What does it look like for my family to be Christ-honoring? That's a picture of what it would look like for it to be so. But then there has to be a plan. There has to be some steps that are taken. What do I do? This is following the Spirit of God. God's Spirit will guide us into the steps that we need to take in order for the vision to be accomplished so that the burden... Nehemiah starts with a burden. He hears about the city of Jerusalem and it burdens his heart because it burdens God's heart. Our hearts need to be concerned and burdened about what God's heart is concerned and burdened about. And we start with a burden... But then it has to be, well, what would it look like? And Nehemiah says, well, you know, I can, I can see the, the city being rebuilt. Okay, Nehemiah, that's great. You've got a burden and you've got a vision of what it would look like. Now what are you going to do about it? And you see, that's where many of us are today. We are burdened about our families and we can see what we want that to look like. But what steps are we going to take for that to happen? There are parents that as soon as the child is born, boy, we want to raise this child for God. We want to see this, We want to see them come to know Christ at an early age. And they're burdened about it. And they have a vision. They can see this child trusting Christ and living their life for Christ. But what steps are they going to take to accomplish that vision? We can see ourselves. We're burdened about the needs of those around us. We're burdened about lost souls. We can see ourselves serving and doing, but taking the steps. And that's what Nehemiah has to do. So what adjustments, what changes do we need to make? I'm going to quickly give you three. Three adjustments or three types of adjustments. Number one, if we're going to bring and have a renewed, bring our burden into a vision and have a renewed vision, number one, there has to be some spiritual adjustments that take place. There are some of us that want something good, but we're not spiritually ready for it to happen. The first thing that starts is repentance. In chapter one, you read this as Nehemiah begins to pray. He knows why the city's in ruins. He knows why things are in the condition that they're in. He knows how they got to where they are. And he begins to pray, and he begins to repent some of the sins of the sins of his fathers and his ancestors, and our nation has sinned. And he confesses those things before God. But then there's also his requests. It starts with It starts with repentance. There may be things in your life and my life that before God can do the work that he wants to do, and there may be things in our church before we're able to do and fulfill the vision that God has for us that needs to be repented of and needs to be turned from, and there needs to be some spiritual renewal that takes place. But then notice in verse 11, Nehemiah's request. He says, Lord, give me mercy in the sight of this man, the king. Give me mercy. In other words, Lord, prepare the way. Provide what I need. He knows that the king's the one he's going to have to get permission from. He knows the king's the one that he's going to have to get provision for. He's the one that's going to give the the finances for. He's the one that's going to provide the materials. He's the one that's going to write letters to the authorities to say, do what this man wants and give him what he needs in order for him to accomplish that. And so he prays and he says, God, you open up the doors. You make this happen. We can look at what God has for us this next year, and we can see all these, and these are wonderful things. But if they are going to be accomplished, it is going to have to be God who opens up the door and who makes them possible, who empowers us and empowers those that go. He's the one that does the work. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. So it's going to have to be God's work. I am praying that God will do in every one of our lives and in every one of our homes and in our church a work so strong and so amazing that when it's over and done, that everyone, ourselves and the world included, will have to step back and say, only God could have done that. And I believe that He will. I know He is able. But I believe that He will. There's got to be the request. We have to go to God and request this. There has to be some spiritual adjustments. What spiritual adjustments need to take place in your life for God to do his work in and through you? There has to be some mental adjustments. We have to change our thinking. Nehemiah's thought process, he's thinking before, during, and after, and he's praying before, during, and after all of this. He prays all through chapter one. You go through the book of Nehemiah and you'll constantly see Nehemiah praying about this and praying about that. And when the king asked him, did you see what the first thing he did was in verse 4? The king says, what do you make request? What do you need, Nehemiah? What do you need to make this happen? He said, then I pray to the God of heaven. It doesn't tell us what he prayed, but he was praying. He wanted the mind of God in this. He wanted to know what to ask for. Sometimes God opens up doors of opportunity that we're not totally ready for. And we have to pray, Lord, what what do I do in this moment? What do I say in this moment? What do I ask for in this moment? God will hear and answer those prayers. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? We could look at so many situations through the Old Testament. Joseph in prison, Moses in the desert, Joshua and Caleb in the wilderness, David in the caves, Esther in a foreign land, and Nehemiah in the court of the king, where God had a vision for them and a plan for them that far exceeded their circumstances, and yet they trusted God. That's where we have to be. Spiritual and mental adjustments will lead us to the third thing, and this is is important, and that's the physical adjustments. We have to make a change in where we are and in what we're doing. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. Now try saying that three times real fast. You'll probably say something you shouldn't say. But if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. There has to be some changes that are made. Nehemiah has to take steps. He has to put this into action. You see, a burden is knowing that something should be done. Somebody ought to do something. A vision is knowing what should be done. This is what it will look like. I can see it. I can see what needs to be done. But both are useless without action. We have to put it in action. How do we do this? I could preach a lot about this, but I'll keep it simple. One, begin by what you already know to do. Obey what you already know to do. Pray daily for God to show you what you should do and for for you to grow. Read the word daily so he can show you. Partner with someone else for spiritual growth and then live your Christian life one day at a time. As you grow, your vision will grow. As you grow and your faith grows, your vision for what God can do will grow. What is God's vision for you as a person? What does God want you to do? Who does God want you to be? Can you see it? Can you envision it? Let me tell you that whatever you envision is probably less than what God intends, but it's a start. It's a start. What's your vision for your family? What's your vision for your home? I've shared with you, here's the vision for our church for this year ahead of what God can do in and through us. Are you you willing to, by faith, say, I want to be a part of that? I want to do what God has for us to do? God is able to do. When we can see Whatever we can see, God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. But it starts with being able to see it. God, give us that vision. There's a great story, 1971, when Disneyland opened, Walt Disneyland opened in Florida. Five years after Walt Disney had died, someone made the statement in the presence of some of the leadership there. They said, It's too bad that Walt Disney never saw this and Mike Vance one of the vice presidents said um, yeah he did see it and that's why it's here let me tell you other people may not be able to see it but by faith you can and by faith and by God's grace and God's work it can become not just a vision it can become a reality my question to you this morning is this will you pray this prayer Lord I'm willing to do whatever it takes to have the life, the family, and the church that you want us to be. Will you join me in that prayer? If God speaks to your heart, I invite you. The invitation will be open. You can sit on some of these front seats. There's no step down here, but you can kneel in front of this altar. Or you can pray right where you are. But let God renew our vision. Let God renew and refresh us to be able to see by faith what he will do in and through and for us. Father, speak to us this morning. Help us to grasp the vision, not just for our church, but Lord, also your vision for our lives, for our families, for our communities. May it become a reality.